Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Today we're going to talk about volunteer appreciation. Joining me today is Neil again. Welcome back. Hey, it's so great to be here, man. Glad glad I could be on. All right. So here's the deal, Neil. I'm looking at a stat here from volunteerhub.com. Hope these stats are correct. It says here, volunteers on average spend 50 hours per year donating their time to the greater good. 71% of those volunteers will work with only one organization each year. Uh, for us here at the ABN, of course, we're talking about the church. It is estimated with AmeriCorps. I was just looking around here. I, I worked with them some when I was in college. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, Neil, but no. good organization started under the Bill Clinton years, and uh, they do a lot of volunteer work helping clean up communities and different things like that. Uh, AmeriCorps uh, estimates over the last 15 years, Americans have volunteered 120 billion hours. hours. If you had to pay for that, right? If the church had to pay for everybody that volunteered, we'd be shut down pretty quick, right? Yes. um, We we as a church rely on volunteers. Statement, Neil. Yes. So let's kind of let's kind of talk about this. First of all, this whole episode is about engaging our volunteers. Hopefully, for the positive, we're going to talk about a few ways that sometimes volunteers are engaged negatively. But let's let's talk about engaging our volunteers positively. Uh, first of all, we're coming out here of a, a COVID-19 season and engaging volunteers. What are some things that are going to be helpful? Because we've had some ministries that were just blowing and going before, and now they've been down for about a year, and they're just now starting to reemerge. What are some things we can do to help reengage volunteers in those ministries? Well, this certainly is a work work in progress for me. I mean, we, I can always get better at at valuing and, and demonstrating appreciation. But one thing that I think we have to do right now is put the person ahead of the position or project or or ministry. And so, in that sense, we need to we need to understand um, that that COVID has affected people in various ways, and and all of us are coming in with with maybe baggage, if you will, from our experience. And so, as people are coming back in and getting ready to plug in, we need to take the extra time, I think, to check in and see how they're doing. Are, are they struggling with anything? Are they ready to go? And in some sense, some of those ministries that we saw die out, I think are kind of God's gift to us as a church, because it may be time for that ministry, that that initiative to sort of come to an end. So so I think checking in with them as a person outside of their position or volunteer responsibilities is, is a huge piece of it. So So care for the person and not just be anxious to have them back going in the position. Yeah, I would agree with that. We need time affirming them and just thanking them. And we're going to talk a little more about how to thank volunteers, I think, here in just a minute. But uh, being sure that we're showing concern for the individual and not just what they bring to the table, although we, we do desperately rely on that. At the end of the day, people and relationships are indeed what's most important. Because, I mean, if I had to make an argument, I would say this. Isn't the church just a network of relationships, first and foremost with Christ and then to one another? Isn't that correct? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and, and that's where it's hard. 
I, I think even some of our language this afternoon, when we're thinking about um, us being a, a volunteer run organization, like in some sense, the volunteers are the organization. And, right. and I, and I don't mean that as volunteers, but just we, we are, yeah, we are the church. And, and so, so it's, yeah, I, the way, the way we word it can, can, I guess, place even the, the organization ahead of the people. And we don't, we don't want to do that really fumbled in saying that there, but I think, you know what I meant? Oh, I do. And, you know, I've been, I'm going to compliment my church that I'm part of and how the volunteers have responded, even in a season of COVID. Uh, we have a library and they, they put a lot of hours in. And one of the things they did during COVID was they would check in with all these different people, see if they wanted books and they actually expanded and did puzzles since a lot of people were staying at home. And this was primarily a ministry to our senior adult crowd, but uh, it, I think, kind of helped fill some of that loneliness void that people had during COVID-19, and that was very helpful. Others took meals and checked in on different folks with phone calls and even stopping by occasionally. And so, you know, at, in our church, you've got a lot of times when we think of volunteers, we think of children's ministry because children's ministry needs a lot of volunteers. But there's a lot of other areas that have volunteers other than that. There are senior adult volunteer positions. There's the kitchen that needs volunteers cooking and cleaning and everything in between. There are teachers that are volunteers, right? Our small group leaders, our Sunday school teachers, they're yeah. all volunteers. They're putting in massive amounts of hours and effort in, and we're, we're thankful for them, all right? So we want to make sure that we're, we're doing that. Now, here's the next question. How do we how do we plug people in when they come to our church, like a new person just come to Christ or coming out of season of COVID or whatever? How, what are some good things that you have seen done either at your church or at other churches to help people plug in? Because I would argue people need to contribute in a significant way in the church life to feel connected and part of the body. Yes. And, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to speak more from what I've seen people in our church do well, more so than what I feel like I've done really well here is, is I think that that relational invite to draw people in. So, so funnily enough, there's times where you see people grow, get a deeper connection to a local body just by being included on a move for somebody saying, Hey, can you come out and help us? And, and you know how moving is like in one sense, oh, yeah. we all talk about how much we regret it, but it's usually a pretty fun time of, of helping somebody get settled in a home being able to share usually a meal together. So, so I think when people are invited into a I've project, trucks is, my whole life, I know exactly yes, how that you goes. Know, but, but it, it can, it can really just being asked to be a part of something can really help a person move forward. Um, and, and conversely, I, I think um, when people outside of the normal structure are able to say, Hey, you seem to have a real knack for whatever it may be, teaching, serving, greeting, we would love to have you join the team. Again, that's even more significant than when they come to me and say, hey, Neil, can you help us find a good fit? So so one is not better than the other, but I think some of the coolest things I've seen is when people who are already in a ministry area draw other people in and it becomes a part of not only the task to be done, but the relationship forming as well. So, so that to me is a big one. I think when our people are pulling people in and a lot of them do that so well, that's huge. And another thing that's important for keeping members, you know, and I, I know you can make the argument, well, you need to be a sending church, not a keeping church, but you also need to remember that not everybody's going to go out and be a missionary and be on the mission field. I would actually argue probably most people 
to come to your church are probably not going to be launched out. You're probably looking at maybe 20% that you can launch out. And that's a good thing to steer towards. But if you're, you know, hopefully you're not, you know, spitting them out as quick as they're coming in either necessarily, right? For for, yes. the, for the wrong reasons. So you don't want to spit people out for the wrong reasons. And, uh, you know, Rainer outlined, and we may put this in the show notes, six common ways churches lose volunteers. These are outstanding. I like this one. Calling a volunteer the wrong name. Holy cow. <laughs> Like, can yes. you imagine the horror, right? Like, um, and uh, you know what I'll do? I have I have called people the wrong name in church. And here's what I'll do when they correct me. I'll go, oh my goodness, what did I say? And then they'll say the wrong name. But I am so, so will you please forgive me? I can't believe I did that. I said, I'd forget my head if it wasn't attached. And I just, <laughs> me. and it usually yeah. suits it over pretty well. Uh, using poor grammar and spelling, I guess. I, I assume that this has to do with, emails and correspondence back and forth i'm not sure what's made of that uh making it difficult on the volunteer right so if they want to do something a particular way that maybe you didn't wouldn't have thought to do it just let them kind of have a little bit of creativity and flow of ideas i was i was watching a uh, interesting video with a now deceased tech guru and that was the guy that made the iphone shoot what's his name neil it's left me right steve now. jobs steve jobs and steve jobs was talking about how you know he was talking about keeping quality people on the payroll and in apple he said it has to be a place where ideas and the best idea emerges and it and it goes whether that's my idea or somebody else's they said well you surely you steer the thing well sure i do but there's times i give way and sometimes you need to give way to your volunteers if they've got a better idea and let them have that right i mean can you imagine if you have to be right all the time what kind of message does that send to the volunteer right yes Yes, especially when we don't recognize the limitations of our own experience and, and expertise. So we're, we're trying to speak into things we have no place speaking into. But, but let me ask you this. You bring up a great point, and I, sorry, it's not something we discussed at a time, but, but, but how do you work on alignment with your volunteers? Because I, yeah. I would say that's, that's a place I struggle at times where you get a great volunteer who's, who's ready to go, passionate about ministry. But I, I feel like there's, there's a couple I can think of where, where we're always coming back to the same conversation where I feel like philosophically we're, we're, we're stretching the edge of what we're trying to be about as a church. How, how do you handle that? When I know it's good natured, I know they're not trying to work against what we're doing, but just, just keep in, in alignment with your volunteers, especially the go-getters who, who you want to get out of the way of, because they're, they're amazing. Well, I, you know, this is, I, I think this is a continual issue in churches and I, I have seen real life examples of this because the place that it, we were going to talk about this in a minute here, like, where do you plug them in? One of the things I try to do, and then I'm going to give an example of what another guy does that I've seen done that I think is really good. But one thing I try to do is what we call a new member interview before they become part of the church. And then that new member interview, I kind of ask them, you know, what, what are you passionate about? What are you wired for? How did God make you do this? And then from that, you know, I kind of lay out, here's some things we need help in some areas. We've also added a help wanted section in our newsletter, you know, for volunteers where we're needing help in different areas, you know, whether it's security or children's department or wherever that is. And uh, so those, those have been helpful to put people in there, but sometimes you get people that they just, the needs of the church at the time or the philosophy of the church at the time just doesn't fit where they are. I think of one couple that recently left our church and they had been here and back a couple times but um, at the end of the day she tried about three different areas to volunteer in and 
really wasn't received well by the church in any of the three areas and then just kind of moved on, I think largely because she couldn't find a good area to fit in in the church body. And and I'll admit that, but I think that happens sometimes. And we have to do all that we can to steer them to a position to get there. And she would come to me each time and say, what do you think if I tried this? And I'm like, hey, give it a shot, see how it goes. And she'd come back, well, this didn't work. And I'd be like, well, I'm not totally surprised that didn't work because X, Y, and Z. But, you know, I would try, I try to, I try not to micromanage volunteers, but I try to give general direction. And then I try to cheerlead and help them as best I can as they help us. You know what I mean? So, uh, another pastor would actually do a like, I think six to 12 week course every fall and spring for new people that had come either like they ne- they may not necessarily be members yet. And I know in the E-Free Church, it's a little different, right? I don't think membership's quite as stressed as it is in Baptist life. You know, it's a very- But we're getting there. We're getting, yeah, there. we're getting there, but I hear you. Actually, sometimes in Baptist life, I would argue that in this particular arena we're talking about, which is helping people to get connected and volunteer in ministry- sometimes that line is drawn too hard like well they can't they can't run the sound because they're not they're not members of the church well it's like well if they're an expert at running sound and they're not necessarily members but they're here let them run the sound right like well they're not a believer so they can't help clean up after dinner what unbeliever can't push a broom if they want to push a broom let them push a broom. Like, like what is the problem here? Right. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I can remember when I was in Indiana one time, we went through a really hard spell and we had a church split. And after we had that church split, we had a very large outreach event that had actually been not only adopted by the church, but by the community. I don't know if you remember this. It was when we started doing trunk or treat up there. Do you remember? When yes, you event? I do remember that. And word got out in the community. We didn't have the funds and the means to do trunk or treat like we'd done it before. And we were debating canceling it because we'd just gone through this church split. And I started getting phone calls as a pastor from people in the community, unbelievers, wanting to help and volunteer to make sure that this outreach event to the community got pulled off. And you know what I told them? Absolutely. Come and help. You know what I mean? And uh, it was a wonderful thing that happened there. So, you know, it's a, um, you know, it, it can be difficult sometimes you got, you just don't want to keep square pegs and round holes, you know, is the main thing or the triangles and square holes. You know what I mean? You want them to be where they should be, where God, every, every person God has gifted. And, and here, and here's the tough reality for some volunteers. Maybe they need to go to a church with a little bit different personality, a little bit different, uh, you know, focus and emphasis where their volunteer skills can be utilized a little better. Is that fair, Neil, you think? No, I think that's really fair, but it brings brings me to another question I'd love to hear your thoughts on, is what about the volunteer that has been faithfully serving, you rely on, and they begin to sense that God is leading or calling them out of that particular area of ministry? So not necessarily out of the church, um, but but maybe out of the ministry that, that you know, they've, they've been a part of for some time. How do you handle that? You know, this recently happened here. Uh, we had a member who was leading in a pretty, pretty prominent position that was needed in a women's ministry, and... Uh, she sent me a text and, and talked about, Hey, I want to, I want to talk to you one-on-one about me stepping out of here. And I thought she meant she was leaving the church, but she was actually just feeling a sensing a call to do some different things more on the outreach community outreach side instead of just women. But needless to say, you probably avoided that meeting for as long as you could. (laughs) Yeah. Right. No, I I jumped on that ASAP because I I didn't want, you know, you don't want, that's one of the things here, right? Not returning calls or emails. That's a no, no comes to volunteers, <laughs> keeping, them, keeping them engaged and happy. So we got together as quickly as possible. And I was like, man, I thought you were leaving the church for a minute. It's like, no, I'm not leaving the church. Just need a little, little bit different shift. 
I said, sure, we can do that. That's not a problem. You know what I mean? And, and so I, I had some areas I needed help in and we just shifted it around. So, um, anyway, uh, that, that is a, uh, that is an important, uh, important thing that you need to address. And you just got to realize sometimes that not every position is going to fit everybody, you know? So it's, it's trying to move in those around where they're, where they're best called passionate and gifted. Yes. And, and aren't we passionate then too for, for their development? And that sometimes means yes. seeing them transition from role to role. And, and that becomes a good thing, something we should celebrate and be excited about because we, we want to see God continuing to work in them. So, so no, I, yeah, I think that's a big one. Um, one last thing here on, you know, losing volunteers, Rainer writes, delegating important communication to your assistant, right? You know, if you, yes. <laughs> If you're going to make your secretary drop the bombs about, yeah, we're going to, we're going to cancel your event this year. Uh, we know it's your baby, but uh, we're just cutting the budget. So sorry. Like that's not going to go well, right? That's a sit down conversation you need to have with them eyeball to eyeball and, and really discuss that. So uh, don't engage your volunteers through somebody else on big, important issues you know, text messaging and using your volunteers to tell them that, yeah, we're going to have to move a meeting back 15 minutes is fine, but, but not for like canceling something, cutting a budget, uh, other major, like, you know, really ministry changing events need to be face to face. So, yes. all right, now let's move into something a little bit more fun. How do we affirm our volunteers, Neil? Oh man. Well, well, I would say my, my best thing that I do day in, day out is um, probably getting together with people for coffee, for meals, because um, buying a meal and just checking up on them, I think is a big deal. The other thing that I love to do, and honestly, this one, I hope they appreciate as much as I intend for it to communicate how I appreciate them, is I love to get resources into their hands, so, so books. And again, not just books for a small group leader that tells you how to run a small group, but a book about the church, a book about a doctrine of God that that will encourage and uplift their faith. So so I, I look for opportunities to give them gifts. And, and again, a lot of times those are books. Actually, for a while, I, I, I was trying to ask our leaders what encouraged them the most. So at times I was buying some leaders a good Christian CD, some leaders a good book, um, and just trying to connect them with resources that really encourage them in, in the different ways people are encouraged. Um, the other thing we've done before is appreciation meals. I always try to have food. And I try to have good food at all of our, our meetings and events. Um, and some of our events I try just to have for the sake of being together. So so not always having an agenda or something that I'm trying to put on their plate. Um, you know, no pun intended there. But <laughs> but but just something that, that can say, hey, we appreciate you and enjoy being with you. So I would say I try and do things that value and pour to them as a person um, in addition to making sure they've got what they need to keep doing their ministry role. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of the meals. We don't do them as often as we should. Sometimes just little affirmations are a lot, right? Like I yes. have, I've gotten, and this is going to sound really lame. And some of you pastors may pick on me and say it's even kind of feminine, but that's fine. I'll live with it because our volunteers loved it. We would do one church I was in when it came time, we would only ask volunteers to commit for a time period. Like nobody's going to commit themselves to indefinite working free for whatever, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you always need to put a time limit on it. Like, will you do this and, for three months? And that scares them off when they think they are committing indefinitely. Right. You don't want to, yeah. do, you always want to put a time limit. So, you know, we would do a nursery rotation for a year, which would be September to September. 
And at the end of the summer, like in August, when we were getting ready to ask people to re-up their commitment, because you knew Now, we- now be- before you get to what you're going to do, just the way you set it up is extremely feminine. I've got all these ideas running through my head, so I, I can't wait to hear what you actually do. Like, we- are you crocheting things? Yes, like, so like- we would crochet them aside <laughs> and say, 12 more months, 12 more <laughs> months, and we would spend that as they would walk into the sanctuary every Sunday for a month. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we would we would get them big candy bars, like, and we would change it out. Sometimes it'd be a big, massive Kit Kat, and then we would do something silly. One time we did, um, you know, those grand candy bars. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, hundred grand, yeah, hundred grand, and uh, we put on there. Your service to our children is worth more than a grand each year. So here's one for you, you know, or something silly like nice. that. And you would not believe it, dude. People loved it. Like, and it's so, it sounds silly, doesn't it? It almost sounds silly, but they were like, dude, where's my candy? You know, it's like, it's August. Where's my candy bar? Yes. Uh, You know, like we would just, and you couldn't get a candy bar unless you'd served in the nursery or preschool ministry from, you know, the fall to fall. You know what I mean? That was the candy bar club. So yes, and I've got to say that's a lot less feminine than I expected. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway but uh but man they loved it dude and, and i think anyway you can do that and if you can and this may sound silly and simple but it goes a long way i'm gonna tell you something sad this is a sad story that ends well my mother-in-law face faithfully served is as a preschool sunday school teacher in her church for like 25 years 25 years okay and there was one pastor she had at her church he was there i think seven years and he didn't thank her one time. She never missed a Sunday unless she was like deathly <laughs> ill. He never had to worry about that ministry. She did a good job with it. And she told me one time, she said, he never has come in one time and thanked me for the ministry. No, she said, now it's not why I'm doing it. But she said, I just thought, you know, every now and then an acknowledgement that I'm here would be nice. And you can't tell me that our volunteers don't have similar thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, and so from that, here's what I've tried to do. I try to make rounds occasionally. Like if people mm. are working in the kitchen and I'll put my hand on their shoulder and I'll say, I'll, I'll look them in the, thank you for this ministry. I really appreciate it. You know, and I just, I will go around and make a point to not, I'll do that with the guys. I don't always do that with the gals, right? Put the hand on some, you know, this is a me too movement that time period. Yeah. So you got to be careful who you touch now. So I'm not saying touch everybody on the shoulder. You'll know what to do, right? Uh, don't go, don't go around grabbing women by the shoulder now at church. <laughs> so are you looking at them eye to eye or are uh, you yeah, looking at exactly them from the right. side? He was, it sounded that? worse. It sounded much worse when it came out than it did in my head. But anyway, <laughs> you stare deeply into yeah. their eyes. <laughs> take, take a minute, touch them on the shoulder and pause before you say anything. Like <laughs> let them drink it in for about 10 well, seconds while locking eyes, of course. <laughs> and then have them going, yes, yes. Yeah. Just stare and just smile like that weird creepy smile and then say i just want you to know i appreciate you so much i love you so hard <laughs> so. Well, well if this isn't something for the editing room floor <laughs> oh we're leaving the banter in today friend it's, it's staying. Uh, anything else neil for affirming volunteers no, I, I, I really appreciated what you said, and, and what a great word to make sure you've, you've thoughtfully gone around and, and hit both the easy-to-see but also the harder-to-see volunteers with, with just a word of thanks. I mean, you, that, that was a great, great thought. 
Yeah, and that's uh, that's free if you're at a church that has a tight budget and you can't buy everybody a hundred grand candy bar every year. You can go around and thank them face to face. I guarantee you, those volunteers remember you doing that. You may not remember it, but they'll remember it, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. All right, we're about to land the plane because I think our last episode was a little longer on weddings than this one. Uh, any closing thoughts here on volunteer affirmation and appreciation? So if I could take a minute and steal an idea from a recent Mark Dever book called The Compelling Community, one of the things he said that I thought was really helpful is, is so often we as leaders um, exhaust ourselves in pursuing volunteers and begging for volunteers and trying to get new volunteers rather than doing the long-term front-end work of creating, or, or we don't create this, or developing through, through faithful preaching of the gospel a heart for the mission of Jesus. And so sometimes what we need to do as leaders is be a little more patient with ourselves and our volunteers and and spend more time emphasizing the greatness of the gospel, the depth of the love of God, the reality of our redemption, which, which because of the work of the Holy Spirit, not us, draws out in people a heart to serve and to see people reached. So, so sometimes the front end work is where we're needed because I, I related it, the, the, the author, I think it was Deborah, but it may have been another guy who helped write it. But, but I, I remember uh, thinking to myself, I can relate to being exhausted running around the church on a Sunday morning, literally with a clipboard, trying to get people to sign up for a ministry opportunity we had coming up. And I just thought there, there's gotta be a better way. Yeah. I tell you, my wife is the best volunteer recruiter I've ever met in my life. Becky Tyler is the best, man. She can just, she can get people to sign up like nobody's business. It's a gift. I should have had her on here for this episode. Oh man, she's doing great. We may do a follow-up with her on that one. So how she gets people to, to say yes when nobody else can, but yeah, that's a good word. And it, it takes time. You know, I think we overestimate what we can do in a day in a week and we underestimate what we can do in a year or even in three years. And if we'll spend that time on the front end, making the gospel, the true treasure in everyone's heart, then I think volunteering comes easier, right? Yes, definitely. All right, bro. Thanks for being with us. Hope you'll join us next time. You have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network. Thanks for joining us. If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to Network at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian dash Baptist dash network. Join us again next Monday.